right. Hello. Welcome to the UW Film Club podcast. My name is Drew Favors, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Bennett Nye. Say hello, Bennett. Hi, everyone. Um, and today we're going to be talking about uh, M. Night Shyamalan's 2002 movie, Signs. So just giving a brief plot overview, it's about uh, Father Graham Hess, and he lives in a rural part of Pennsylvania, about 40 miles outside of Philadelphia. Um, and he lives with his uh, son, Morgan, daughter, Bo, and his younger brother, Merrill, um, all performed by uh, great actors and actresses. And basically, he has been sort of coping with the death of his wife about six months earlier. The movie opens up where we see he finds large crop circles actually buried in his cornfield outside of his house. And we start to notice that there's a lot of crop circles showing up around the world. And then there are starting to they are starting to hear strange noises throughout using uh, Bo's baby monitor, and so finally we start to notice ships and lights appearing around the world. Everyone starts becoming more paranoid, and Ray Reddy, who is also played by M Night Shyamalan, is the town's local veterinarian, and he calls uh, Graham uh, Graham Hess, Father Hess, uh, specifically about he trapped one of the aliens because the whole conspiracy is that aliens are actually coming to invade Earth. Ray Reddy trapped the alien in his pantry, and then Father Hess comes to look at it and notices that a hand reaches out from under the pantry door, um, and then he proceeds to chop off his fingers. And so finally, as everything gets more paranoid, much worse, uh, they notice that they're starting to see video and images of aliens around the world, so they lock themselves in their basement, board up the walls, and eventually hide. Um, and then the lights go out at night, something happens, one of the aliens grabs Morgan, uh, Father Hess's son again, and he starts to have an asthma attack because he does have asthma. Uh, as soon as it happens, uh, Father Hess starts calming him down, and later that night, uh, he has a, uh, Father Hess has a dream where he is actually seeing his wife moments before she died in the traffic accident when she was pinned by a truck to a tree. Uh, he wakes up the next morning, everything seems to be fine, the aliens have fled. But the twist is that as he's setting up the TV again in his room, because it used to be in the closet as they were viewing it, uh, they notice an alien appears behind them and has actually picked up Morgan while he's still in um, suffering from the previous asthma attack last night when he didn't have his inhaler. And so the aliens have a special uh, method of eliminating their enemies by secreting a poisonous gas from the wrist. Father Hess has a memory of his wife one last time and tells his younger brother Merrill to grab the nearest baseball bat and start attacking the alien, just as the alien emits the poison gas onto Morgan. Finally, uh, Merrill uh, proceeds to swing at the alien, causes some water to fall over, which actually damages the alien because they do not like water. And then uh, finally they kill the alien and then bring Morgan outside. And then Father Hess uh, exclaims basically that the asthma has closed up his lungs, preventing the gas from getting in. And almost like a miracle, Morgan wakes up. He's totally fine. And then the aliens go away. Aliens kill. And then we get to sort of a cutaway, a really nice seamless camera transition into the future where uh, Father Hess, who used to no longer be a preacher after the accident of his wife, has returned to preaching. Um, and it's the wintertime, and you can hear his family downstairs uh, celebrating. So it's a very interesting movie. Uh, I had I had known nothing about it going in, so I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, but I, I can say overall, I actually had a great time. It was a It's a great movie. 
So I want to I want to turn it over to Bennett, who can talk about his feelings just a little bit. Oh man, this I mean this is it's one of my favorite <laughs> movies ever. Um, I can see pro- why. Yeah, no. So it was probably one of the first like adult movies that I watched that mm-hmm. I ever watched. Um, I was about ten years old, and um, you know it's just I hadn't you know really seen movies that kind of were like it and had you know. It definitely made you, you know, think, you know, it kind of expanded uh, what what I thought movies, you know, could be about. Just as I've watched over the years, it, my kind of appreciation has grown for it. Just, you know, the um, the themes, the symbolism, the uh, cinematography that um, Shyamalan uses. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I um. I, I've only seen a couple of uh, the director's actual uh, films. I've seen Unbreakable. I've seen Glass. I've seen, partially seen Split. Um, so sort of like that whole trilogy. But as, as uh, I finished the movie, I looked up some of the reviews and I found it funny because this review was accurate, but I almost didn't want it to be. Uh, this film sort of cemented him as an auteur just because like it really was only his film. And I think in some ways that's why it was so good, but I also think that's why it it didn't work in some areas for me, um, specifically the dialogue. But we, we can talk about that another time, but just, just what I liked about it was I, I like how they shot the threat of aliens without them really even being on screen. Like it was very like tense and thrilling the entire time. And, and like, it was silly. It, it was It was like, it was comedic in so many ways but I found myself on the edge of my seat almost the entire time and I think it's very special in that way like I did not expect this to be almost a horror movie but it was like more a thriller again I want to talk about the the actors and actresses amazing lineup like absolutely incredible Mel Gibson Joaquin Phoenix um Rory Culkin who's like Macaulay Culkin's younger brother that's Mm -hmm. crazy I didn't know he like had this sort of acting career um it the sets don't change that much at all it's really just isolated to the the town and then more the house so again when i say like the threat of the aliens it feels so real it's because they're basically projecting it all inside the house through that television set like the paranoia sets in and it's like so intense and like meryl's stuck in the closet just watching like 24 7 what is happening and so Graham, I'm just going to say Graham instead of like Father Hess. Uh, Graham is basically the only one who's sort of sane, even though he is also crazy just because he lost his wife. So him being the voice of reason is pretty refreshing because we almost take on like the role of Graham. So we're seeing it through his eyes and we're noticing how crazy everyone is being. But at the same time, it's it's terrifying. It actually is scary. And I can see why it would be people's favorite movie. Because we could talk about the camera work, but I want to ask you, is there any topic you want to discuss about this movie first? Uh, man, there, well, probably the ones that I want to hit on is um, just kind of the the main kind of themes and, and symbolism mm-hmm. in the movie as well. And I also the relationships between the characters, because I think I when it comes down to it, I think it's the, the relationship between the Hess family or within the Hess family um, and, you know, how they lean on each other to get through the threat of the aliens that that's what the movie is about. So, 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I should, we absolutely should touch on the relationships because it is, it's a very dialogue heavy movie and all the relationships in it are very important to actually keep the movie going. And it's not just like, I should say it is a necessity to the overall plot because you eventually learn to care about these characters in ways that you didn't think you would initially, at least I didn't, um, just not knowing anything going in, but, um, yeah, go ahead. You're you're totally free to talk about the characters. Yeah, no. So I, I think just it's uh, really interesting. I, th- I think I'll, I'll, I'll start with Graham. Yeah. So, you know, we get, it, we kind of get the store of kind of his, the place he's in. We we can kind of glean like what that is throughout, you know, only like without it telling you. And I think that's what um, Shabwan does be- does very well is he kind of show, shows not tells. Um, so that first scene, you know, we see the, um, before we even like see him, we see the picture of his wife and him in the, his pastor's clothes. Um, and then we also see it like on the wall, how there's an outline of a cross, but it's not there anymore. Um, so we see, you know, that his wife is not there. He's, um, lost his faith and it's just interesting to see how that changes throughout the film. And, and it seems like as it goes on, he, he loses his faith more and more, I think. Um, and especially as we, you know, we start, the aliens are about to invade. I think there's one um, scene where they're, um, they're having dinner and um, I think it was Meryl was like, oh, we got to eat quick. But then Graham's like, you know, he's, he asked everyone what, what they wants to, what they want to eat. And, you know, we see him and his, the, the, the look in his eyes, is just this, like, it's almost dead inside and it's, you know at that point he's he he thinks they're gonna die that this is their last meal and then when morgan is having the asthma attack in the basement and he's talking to god you know he's like i hate you i think that that right there is kind of the deepest he has he you know falls throughout the movie and then kind of and then at the end where it all comes together and he, you know, he has the the flashback to his wife's death and her final words, and then he, you know, realizes that everything that has happened, um, you know, all the the pain he's gone through, his family has gone through, that it was for a reason. And um, I think that that revelation, and then I think I think that character, his character arc, is is just fascinating. Yeah, I think uh, Graham definitely had the most screen time in the film, but it also allowed us to develop his character the most. And the way the film sort of toys with like faith, fate, and free will is very, very unique and very special. Um, I mean, just just religion in general is treated to such a very fine degree. Um, and the whole showing, not telling thing. I absolutely agree. Like, you know, there is something going on and it's quite obvious. And I, th- I think the first indication, like you said, was that like faded outline of the cross on the wall. That that was that was very uh, unique because you couldn't exactly tell, but you knew something was off. And especially that's that's also in part due to Mel Gibson's acting. Um, like he sort of like came off like like very depressed and like there's a lot of trauma there. Um the dinner scene I, I do want to talk about, uh, that was a surprise to me because that was pretty intense. Um, as he like sat down to make everyone's food and Morgan confesses just how much he hates his dad. Um, and he's just a kid. He doesn't actually know like the severity of what 
is going on, at least with his dad and how he's feeling. Cause, cause Graham sort of has to take on all the pain for the family. And so he is just there with, with so much grief and so much guilt for not being there. And when he breaks down and he starts yelling and starts eating really fast, um, Morgan kind of starts to see it for the first time. Like he never has before because he's hated his dad the entire film. And so there's like this big sort of group hug moment, which is really sweet. And then the reclaiming of his fate, of Graham's fate in the basement with the asthma attack was actually pretty sad because he like he refuses to pray because he knows God hasn't done anything for him. And he he just proceeds to actually start like praying and like comforting his son with everything going on, which I didn't even notice until you said it that it sort of is the climactic point or just, sorry, it's the, it's, it's just the point where he begins to start believing again, um, which is a part of the movie. Like I said, the whole fate versus free will, like there's that whole conversation between Graham and Merrill about miracles and whether everything happens for a reason, um, which we can also talk about later, but yeah, I mean, Graham, I would say is probably my favorite character in the film. It's just, it's kind of without question, you know, he, he's, he's, very heartbroken, very troubled, but he's also very human and he cares a lot about his family. So yeah, that's, I completely agree with you. And you've also made some points I never thought of, especially about like um, the beginning of his, of turning around his faith. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. And, and I like that you mentioned um, his relationship with Morgan because throughout the film that is, is, you know, it's, it's subtle, but it's, it's, you know, it's different things. It's, you know, it's in, I think when, um, uh, when Morgan has to kill the, the dog, when it attacks his sister um, and, you know, he, uh, Graham tries to comfort Morgan and, you know, he puts his hand on his shoulder and then Morgan just brushes it away and, uh, and goes on and walks off. I think also the scene where they're deciding on whether to, to stay at the home or go to the lake just that kind of you know morgan definitely he he holds you know some kind of a he's still i think in a way he he sort of blames graham almost for for um his mother's death and i think he says that in the dinner scene yeah he he he, he definitely like blames graham even though it, it truly wasn't his fault it was all um it was already ready and it was genuinely an accident, but you, you, okay. You touched on something that I also want to talk about and something that I didn't like in the film. And since I brought up Ray, I guess two things. One, I find it completely unreasonable why Ray wasn't arrested for the murder of Graham's wife. And he fell asleep behind the wheel. But what felt weird to me is like, that is, this is going to sound stupid. This is still involuntary manslaughter and he has served no time for this. And I find it completely odd that this is an overlooked thing in the film. Maybe he didn't have time. Maybe it wouldn't have liked helped the plot. That's fine. I don't, it's, it's, that's a nitpicky thing. But what I primarily wanted to talk about was the director's treatment of dogs in the film, which I find very odd because I, I am of the opinion that, when an animal, specifically a dog in a film, uh, is is killed, uh, there's got to be a purpose. One of the reasons why I like John Wick so much is because it's the perfect dog movie. Because the fact that the dog dies in the beginning and the entire movie is spent trying to kill the person that killed the dog. I'm like, I love that. So the fact that two dogs died in this movie, <laughs> I just, I'm like, does the director hate dogs here? 
Like, I actually don't know because the first one was like a brutal murder with like a um a, a carving fork, and then the the last one was the dog was killed by an alien. And you could hear the cries. I I don't understand. I mean, did like what did you think about that? Because it felt very odd to me. Yeah, I I mean I I definitely noticed it like the first time I watched, <laughs> um, and you know I was like, oh dang, that's sad. But I, I, I mean, he, he, the way he uses the dogs is, is they're, you know, they're alert. They're, they're the first ones that are in tune, I think, to the threat. And I okay. think maybe because of that, they're the, they're the first ones to go, I guess. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit uh, cruel, but, you know, I, that's, I guess that's kind of my line of thinking, maybe. You know, I think both, and also when like are the the second dog to die when the, the aliens kill them, like before it's like before they come to the house. Um, but yeah, no, I hadn't like thought of that, you know, in any depth. So that's you know, that's that's an interesting point. I can almost guarantee you, someone has probably like laid out an entire thesis talking about his treatment of like animals and canines in the film. But I don't know, it just stuck out to me a lot because you rarely see like dogs actually die in films because people don't want to touch that because they obviously know it's not a good thing. So I was surprised and not happy with it. So that was like one of my complaints. And you can say for the sake of the film, I know a lot of people don't really care about it and that's totally fine. That's you. I'm just saying my personal experience of the film, I deeply care about dogs whenever they are killed on film. That's just me. So those, those are the two things I want to talk about with uh, Ray and the dogs but something that was so apparent to me that i i disliked at first but eventually it grew on me because i thought it was funny was the dialogue um and i i i I want you to talk about it first because you've seen this movie more times than i have so i want i want you to talk about this yeah no um (laughs) yeah so it's i i do appreciate that it's it's a very it has a lot of humor Mm -hmm. um and you know, I, I watch it now and there are times where the dialogue is, it's, it's, it's campy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can't deny that. But um, I also, I also just like the way he kind of uses humor kind of, um, I don't want to say undercut, but like it, it kind of provides kind of a, a lightness to it, especially like before we get to like a, a, a kind of like creepy scenes. I think um, there was the scene where um, Graham and Mural are um, chasing the alien around their house when, um, when you know, when it's up, when they see him up on the roof, and uh, you know, and then uh, Meryl's like, you know, to, to Graham, he's like, all right, you're just gonna because they think it's like the town troublemakers or something. They're like, okay, you're just gonna run around the house, act crazy, curse and stuff, and. Graham's like, I don't know how to do this. And then, you know, he's, he's running around and he's like, I'm losing my mind. I'm insane with anger. And I think he's like, and, and then I think after when they meet up, they're like, all right, and Graham said, I cursed. And then Meryl's like, I heard. And then, the, and then like right away, the alien like jumps up and then the music turned like creepy real fast. And I think there's this shot, this overhead shot of Meryl kind of looking up and and he's like, how did he get up there? And that's probably one of the creepiest parts of the movie, in my opinion. Um, so just kind of this funny moment followed by, you know, this truly unsettling moment. And I think he also does it during the uh, birthday party scene where, uh, you know, Meryl's watching the video and, 
I can't see. He's like, move children vomitos because they're they're invisible. <laughs> and so um uh, you know, right before the 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 big reveal. So um I just I just find it interesting how how he, you know, does that, how he kind of offsets these moments with both, you know, humor and um, you know, suspense. Uh, and, and it's like that throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I will give Shyamalan props just because it, it is hard to like achieve a level of balance between comedy and horror so well in a film, which I think he does. And when you're talking about like how it undercuts sort of like the thriller aspect, um, I, I definitely see that. I think it also provides sort of a cushion to, mm-hmm. to like um, help uplift the rest of the film. Uh, because if it was just like the whole alien plot the entire time, it would be kind of boring. There'd be no downtime for you to like take a break and breathe. Um, and he, he does um, provide those little um, cuts very well. I really like that. Um, and there definitely is a campiness aspect to it. But again, when I say he is an auteur, I mean that with out of respect and also um, just me complaining. Because I don't think he had a script supervisor for this film. And it was like all written by him. And I feel like if he just got like someone to help him a little bit, maybe hone in that dialogue a little bit more, it would have been better. But again, he had like complete control over this film from like writing to directing to producing it. So, okay. I I do just want to say the whole Meryl scene in the closet was hilarious with the birthday party. Because I think it was also like slightly racist because he says Vominos, right? yeah but like brazil's portuguese so it's yeah. like yeah. like okay cool but th- there's the part in the um army recruitment center where merrill is talking to the recruiter and i don't know whether that guy was like on something but he was talking to merrill in the weirdest way possible and eventually he okay sorry for any listeners but like he eventually said suck toes is that correct? Uh, yeah, no, he's like, what, 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 why, why aren't you in the pros uh, making stacks of cash? And yeah, you chose like by beautiful women. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember I actually had to pause the movie like for like a solid five seconds and like play it back. Just to, it didn't, it didn't make sense, but it was <laughs> so funny and didn't fit at all with the rest of the movie. And I loved it for that. And it made my experience so much more enjoyable. Again, the, the reason this movie, I liked it so much is because it was a total surprise. I didn't think, I didn't know anything about it. And like every little element just came together really well to like make the film stand out. Cause I've heard people talk about this, like, oh, you should go watch signs. Um, and they try to give various reasons, whether it be for like the plot or they don't even say anything about the plot, but they also talk about like the camera work. But the dialogue is just, it, sometimes it, it just goes on and on and on and doesn't stop. Like whenever Graham is talking to Morgan and Bo when the aliens are attacking and he's giving like the reasons and explaining what he saw when they were born, which was very sweet and very personal. But I also just realized, why is he doing this? This doesn't make sense. Why is he doing like Meryl is just like frantically trying to board up the doors and the windows. And I'm like, you should go help him. You were just standing here talking to them for no reason. But I'm not going to like, I'm not saying this in a derogatory way. I'm saying this in like, I haven't seen another person do this in a movie. And I really like it. It's really cool. And so this movie has made me want to go see more of his films. Because you can hate me all you want. I haven't even seen The Sixth, uh, the sixth Sense uh, yet. So this is 
probably one of my new like favorite movies that I I will keep to myself as like a little personal favorite. Um, and I honestly want to thank you for that. So you, you could talk more about the dialogue or I can move on to something else, but like you, what else do you have to say? Um, I think I just wanted, I think uh, just touch on that last point. You talked about how your Graham was telling his children, you know, the stories of when they were born while you know, the aliens. And I think that plays into also, he, he thinks they're going to die that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think there's kind of this lack of urgency kind of at that point in trying to like board up the windows anymore. He just kind of wants to, you know, this, you know, it was, these were important moments for him and, you know, the birth of his children, he wants to share that with them, you know, before he thinks they're all going to die. And I think, I think that that lack of urgency that he has, there, there were a couple of, there was, I think a deleted scene on during the house attack where they're about to go into the basement and Meryl's like, you know, if, if we go down there, there's no way out. And and Graham has like this, you know, he, he this monotone voice. He like t- talks about some sto- story of um, um, like from when they were kids. And, and he just has this like, I mean, his his kind of his mannerisms. It's just it's kind of chilling seeing how he's given given up. So that was I, I, I think I think that whole the whole invasion scene and and, and uh, Graham's actions I think are it's just interesting. Yeah, actually, um, you sort of helped me get to another point that I didn't fully um, uh, transcribe like in my head or translate. Uh, the fact that like this is the scene where he thinks they actually are going to die. I think that sort of plays into why the movie felt so tense for me. It really created a feeling of dread and like hopelessness. And that's also reiterated throughout um, just like the sheer hopelessness that they kind of feel to, to the, um, the oncoming invasion. It feels like the rapture almost coming up. Like it's, it's this inevitable event and they sort of have to just get used to the idea of knowing that they're going to die and like every point leading up to it is, is are these little like snippets of adjustment. So like the dinner scene was them having to finally realize they're going to die. And it's like, there's this immense wave of emotion in like catharsis um, just from crying. Mm-hmm. And then the whole like saying how much you love and care about one another um, when whenever the invasion starts and they come upon the house and then in the basement was like them like getting ready to be slaughtered it was like them getting shoved to um like a pig pen or a cattle car of some kind and like them being the prey just ready to die and that's why whenever they woke up graham and merrill merrill says to to graham like you thought we like weren't gonna wake up you thought like you weren't gonna be alive today did you and so it it the whole twist is that we expected them to die in the middle of the night. And then when they woke up, they were fine. And then of course the alien appears. So it's like a twist within a twist, but that's just a classic Shyamalan. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, it felt very just nerve wracking and like touched on these senses and feelings. I never would have thought And this. I, I can, I can see why he is um, such a famous director. Now I never I saw him in that category before, at least when people talk about him, they don't, really do that but he's always discussed so i have a new appreciation for him as a director now uh for sure but i think i i've sort of been very rude or inconsiderate to to the director but what i said earlier when i said the camera work was beautiful i meant it 
it was really good. Like the way he uses um, uh, certain zoom ins, sort of focuses, and the panning of a camera, it's really special. So, like, one of the first times I noticed this was when they were looking in front of the TV at the first side of the alien, and like it's almost a fisheye effect of like everyone sort of like coming into the room and looking at this the the television screen. And the way he shot it is like we are the television screen and they're all looking at us. Uh, that was beautiful. And then when they hold the baby monitor up to the sky to get the signal, and like you you see it's just uh, the camera attached to Bo's arm, or maybe it was Meryl, um, either, either one, who was actually holding the baby monitor. It, there was a slight zoom in into the sky, but it was like a parallax effect where the arm was also fading out. So it was really cool. Um, if if do you have any more shots you want to talk about with the camera work? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I I, I do. I do want to say I, I really love the, the what they do with the baby monitor because I mean both times it goes off. It is when the family is they're all touching each other. So like yeah, on the car when they're it like becomes clearest when they're all kind of holding you know each other and then. And then I have the dinner scene where they're all embracing and then it goes off. I think that was a really cool thing that he did. Yeah, because like the, the baby monitor, you're right. It only works when they're all together or like when they're all connecting and bonding with one another. So those those moments of tension or like the attacks uh, happen only when they are starting to like embrace one another. But sorry, I, I totally cut you off. What were you uh, going to say? No, no, I, no, that's totally fine. No, um, I, I, so... I, I like kind of the way he uses um, just kind of the depth of the camera in a few in a few scenes. I think so. It's a scene right after um, Graham's in the cornfield and he sees the leg, and he you know he runs in, and then he kind of comes in and we see this uh, you know uh, it's, the camera's like here and then in the foreground we got mural like in the living room reading the pamphlet the army plan, pamphlet and then kind of at the very back we see morgan and Bo like washing dishes and they're like splashing water on each other and then kind of graham just walks into the middle and then it, it kind of just it, it's almost like you know he's disrupting this scene and it's just it you know throws off this nice you know intimate moment with oh yes something just went down and and uh, you know the kind of the 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 tranquility has been broken yeah i mean i i love that you touched on his sense of depth because it i i found it so visually pleasing because he was very cinematic in this movie um he he both like he chose to focus on specific parts of a scene but also always showed the whole scene so when you when you're talking about that scene when he um when graham comes back from the field after seeing the alien the children in the back aren't actually like in focus, but they're still like moving. And it's only when Graham sits down that the camera transitions to like a rack focus where everything in the scene is in focus. And I love when films do that. I think rack focus when done right is beautiful um, because it makes sure that everything in the scene is important to view. Um, and he does that several times, whether it be with glasses of water around the house and them interacting, or also again with the baby monitor and then at the dinner table, everything is in focus. So he, his, the, the, the way he shoots, especially like also, also his like bird's eye view of like them going into town is like breathtaking and same when he did the, the large zoom out to show the entire 
uh, cornfield, the crop circles, mm -hmm. um, which is like, I think right after the opening credits, which were also pretty good. I like those opening credits. Um, yeah. He, he is a new favorite director in my eyes, just for how like he can take a movie that is totally unexpected and make it very cinematic. Cause I didn't expect this. I'm going to be totally honest. I didn't expect this from him. Um, but I, I completely stand corrected, uh, like, like brilliant, uh, cinematography and like shot work. Um, but that's sort of like all I have to say right now on the camera work and until like something comes to mind, but what about you? Anything else? Um, yeah. Um, I, I, th I think there's nothing like specifically as well that I can think there is one thing I completely forgot about that I do want to touch on. And that is music and sound design, because I, th I think, you know, I, I think that is the, the final like touch that makes this movie work, you know? And so throughout the, the, the film, um, you know, the, the score is based around this three notes, repetitive, the, you know, um, theme that, you know, it, it, it keeps showing up. And it's, I, I think that it, it captures kind of the, the, the impending doom, the dread that comes. I think I, you know, I read that it was inspired by um, the psycho music, which I, I mean, I, I can get that from that. Um, yeah. I didn't, I didn't expect that either. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and just the way he kind of uses, he uses, you know, variations of that, that theme throughout the film, including the end when it like it, it turns almost lighter. Like once the aliens have gone, it, it's the, it's the same, you know, three note thing, but it, it has this complete different feeling attached to it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a music expert, so I'm sure there's a lot of terms that can talk, you know, speak to this, but yeah, it's, I think the, the, mu the music's great. Yeah. I, I think the music, um, the first time I noticed it was obviously in the opening credits. Um, they obviously are very simple. It's just a flashing light over and over again with like these um, names and positions getting smaller and smaller. But um, that was very cool. And it distanced itself from the rest of the film soundtrack. So it was already a good opener with that like sort of same repeated three notes of different light octaves and scales uh, was very pleasing and satisfying. I just right now, as I'm saying it, I remember when um, that important scene where Graham and Meryl were talking um, when the kids were asleep, just about uh, miracles and coincidence, uh, that music sort of started to play in as well. So music always works whenever there's important moments of like of theme and motif and then moments of tension too. So I, I, I can't really describe how he uses it, but he just uses it well. And I remember I was looking at um, articles, like just preparing for this and people were complimenting the score, but I can never really tell why it, and I mean, you probably spoke to it better. Um, the whole inspiration by Psycho was very clever like that, but yeah, I mean, do you do you have anything else? I, I can't say much too much about the score, uh, but I did enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I I, I think it's it's just I, I I just I just think it captures just that that feeling of of doom that there's there's something out there that's threatening them, but you you know they just can't see it, um, and and yeah. I, I think as, as I think that's about 
all I can speak for for the the music. Um, but then also just just the the sound that that Shyamalan uses, and he does some really clever things. I think probably the most clever he uses is um, crickets. So there are a few things where you hear crickets chirping and then they like quit, they like just die down and then they stop. And that's kind of like a warning that the aliens are coming. Um, so I thought that was just clever. And another thing he uses is um, he uses wind. I think there are a few moments where I think it's like right after he sees uh, or Graham sees the, uh, the leg in the cornfield and he starts running away, the wind just picks up like, like it picks up like instantaneously. And then there's a, moment where your Meryl is when they're preparing the board at the house, Meryl's kind of looking out into the cornfield and he takes a lock, he throws it into the cornfield. And then like right after he does that, the wind just picks up and it's just kind of this, the wind is almost like just uh, this, it's this threatening force that is just there and it's, it's ready to, you know, come out and get them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the sound design, it, it takes for me like whenever like a new idea pops in my head it takes me a bit to like um connect it back to what i to what i saw and remember everything but i mean as you as you're talking about it yeah the sound design is in, like impeccable it, it truly is really really well done um and i don't know how much of that was of uh, the director's oversight because again he like had a lot of control over this film like both story-wise and, and um the uh, shot composition, but I mean, from everything he's done so far, I, I would imagine it, it is his responsibility. This truly is his film. So I think uh, the music just sort of plays into the whole creepy factor. Like it really knows it, it, it helps build a lot of tension. I remember um, when the, the alien invasion on the house starts, uh, we hear the creaking and cracking, the wind chimes, everything like that. Like you talk about with wind. Um, he takes a really long time for these threatening scenes. Like it takes about like one and a half minutes for the alien to actually walk around the house. Um, so this like lengthy period of time where the alien's presence is known, um, but they're not doing anything um, is what's really terrifying. And then they, they even talk about that too, because they're in the basement and when they lock the door, it's making a lot of sounds on the door, but Meryl or I can't remember whether it was Meryl or Graham but one of them came to the conclusion that it's a distraction they're just trying to scare us and make us focus on the door and then we start to notice that they're actually going around the house because they're good problem solvers like they're trying to figure out how to get in so this like moment of um, anticipation of them trying to bust open the door gets changed because now we're like I have no idea what's going to happen next. Like, where are they yeah. going to come from? And the sounds yeah. get, like, more intense. They start scrambling more. And then, of course, like, Meryl knocks out the lights. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, you have no idea where they're going to yeah. come from. So yeah. the, the sound definitely plays into that because you hear the banging and it, like, it sticks in the back of your mind. Like, oh, please stop. Like, I know you're right there. But at the same time, now they could be anywhere. So, like, you can't focus on the door. So, mm -hmm. The overall confusion in like making the viewer not know what to expect or where to look is unnerving because we don't like that. We we don't really like not knowing something. So just like them, and then oh my god, when when the the hand actually touched Morgan in the uh, the coal shoot, I was not expecting that at all. Because then yeah. 
we start to figure out the whole camouflage effect with the aliens and uh-huh. like and we can even talk about that like that is really scary I, I'll, I'll 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 just say one thing um what was really scary about the camouflage thing is that is just how quickly they could do it and to such a precise degree where they could literally match someone's face on the back of their body to represent the person across from the arm. So please, please go ahead. You could talk about that. Yeah, no, that was a really cool effect. Like in that final scene where you're seeing, you know, Graham's and I think it was Graham and Bo, you see their reflections on the alien skin. That was just, and also like the pattern of Morgan's shirt is, is on them. Yeah. I think, I think, the aliens are so effective in this movie because you barely see them. Yeah, they're just, I think, you know, we only see different things. We see, you know, just the outline in, in the, the, you know, on top of the roof or the leg in the cornfield. And then even when we first see the um, alien in full view in that birthday party video, it's only for a second and it's gone. And, uh, and, and I, Oh God, I can't have a birthday party video. It's, it's just, it's so well set up because there are many different places where that scene can fail mm-hmm. and everything has to go right for that to just have the same effect or to have the effect it does. And, and it did. I think it's everything from the setup um, and, and just the music, how it just builds up. And then just the, also the the way it was shot, it was shot with, I think Shyamalan shot it himself with like a handheld camera um but also that it's uh creepy when you realize that like when they're like shooting down the alleyway you can see the alien it's there you just it's just you know blending in and then when it walks out you're like oh it was there the whole time oh my god yeah the 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 birthday party scene i forgot which magazine magazine did it but it was like in their top 100 scariest movie moments of all time which i thought was really cool um but you're so right because I was expecting the alien to pop up at so many different points, and at this at, at this point in the film, we're like, we want to see the alien. We want to see what it looks like because it, it's all just been like hearsay. Like we don't know anything about it, and so when you, we we talk about this so many times about how the aliens barely appear in the movie, and so this like dread and paranoia is filling our minds because we're like creating an idea of what it might look like despite not knowing anything. We have these preconceived notions which are even like restated in the uh, the book that Morgan like got from the library or, or uh, the bookstore. And we, when we actually see the aliens, not what we expect. And the, it, the music builds so nicely and like the camera stays on the alley alleyway for such a long period of time. And so finally it's a, it's almost like a jump scare, even though it's not like jumping out at you, it's just walking, but you're like, yeah. the, you're so terrified because it looks at you. And I think what makes this movie also so sort of timeless is is just because since the aliens are barely on screen, you can never really critique the visual effects. Like mm-hmm. anytime it's on screen, it's done in a way where it's supposed to look like fuzzy and like unsure. And it also it's also always in the shadows. So like with, with the video camera, the alien, it's already fuzzy from the video. So any sort of like CGI that was done to create the alien you can never like discount because it's already far away it's already fuzzy so it looks real and then whenever it shows up again in the end it's always tucked away in the shadows so there's not a lot of texture given to the alien so you don't have to worry about that you can never be like oh 
it's just this like matte green color on it. Like, no, it's like there's this black aura that surrounds the aliens. So you can never still totally see it. So I don't know if this is even right to say, but um, the lack of visuals on the alien and just like how people describe its presence feels very like Lovecraftian or cosmic to me. Um, obviously that's, it's, it's a bit on a more grander scale, but um, it just, it reminded me of that because uh, when, when uh, there's a threat that's so large that you can't see or can't put words into, it makes it even that more terrifying because we don't even fully know their intentions of why they're there um, in the first place. We think it's an invasion and we're kind of right. Um, but like, why? <laughs> and also they don't have a lot of weapons they use. It's mostly hand-to-hand combat. Um, yeah. But it's, but they're there. They want to harm you and you can never see them and you don't know their tactics that well. And we, we get glimpses of their power, especially with like the camouflage and like the poison gas or like how powerful are they really? How many of them are there? Cause we only see two in the movie, just two, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, you can speak more on whatever I said or introduce something new, but like, I'm starting to get like really excited now talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I think you you I think you everything you explained I think I think explains really well why the aliens work in this in this movie. It's just that you know because you know you know you don't you don't see them and that threat is there, but that mystery you know keeps that threat there. I just I I, I do want to just talk a little bit more about the um, birthday party scene because yes, I think please, why please. that why that is so why that scene also is so um, good is because. It's a, it, it is a jump scare, but it's a jump scare where you know exactly what's going to happen. And I think, I, I think um, uh, David Lynch and Mulholland Drive does this really well. Mm. Uh, also. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I remember you talking about with the uh, outside the, um, the, um, the diner scene. The diner. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, I think honestly, those are more effective, I think, than your, your average horror jump scare where either it's, you know, it, it's just out of nowhere or where you know they do the fake out thing where you think one thing's going to be the jump scare and then it's not and then they do it but they tell you exactly what's going to happen the, you know the newspaper or the news ones like what you're about to see may disturb you and also I, I think what was really cool i did not notice this until i watched this about i think it was last night <laughs> i think it was when i first noticed it but throughout the when the news lady is introducing the whole um uh, clip we only see her face at the end, but while she's talking, there's a man that walks behind her the same direction that the alien ends up walking. So it's almost like, like Sean Lund's telling you in that, like oh my with gosh. that guy walking, he's like, this is what you're going to see. I, I didn't notice that sort of foreshadowing, but I, I remember, I actually remember that guy walking behind her now. And like, just because the way you told me it matched the alien's movements, you're so right. It was like, it was exactly the same thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The br- it's such a small scene too. It's like a minute long, but for some reason it is in everyone's collective memory of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it's so scary. And also let me, let me just say, I think you're totally right about the whole jump scare things. Jump scares I find generally annoying. I think they're like mm-hmm. a cheap way to elicit fear or like horror. But when you, when you can, 
feel the dread coming and it actually happens, that's so much better. The payoff is better. It becomes more cinematic and everyone just generally has a better time. Whenever you have something that pops out, like for no reason at all, it's just, it doesn't feel the same. But like when you give time for for the uh, the audience to actually get enveloped in the scene, sort of know what's happening and you know the alien's going to show up, and it actually does. It just that like euphoric rush of of um like or like that that cathartic rush, I should say. It, it's so satisfying, and everyone agrees. It's like one of the best scenes in the film. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to question that, right? It's everyone knows it. Everyone likes it. And then, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix also sort of shared that with us. He, he you could see like that fear on his face whenever the aliens came up because he was not a believer at all for the first part of the film and then he becomes just as crazy as the kids like he sits in the closet all day and just watches the tv and then as he's trying to explain it to graham he just walks away while he's still talking but yeah, yeah i i love love that scene so much <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah that's so i think the, the last thing i i want to touch on mm-hmm. is um kind of the ending because the ending yes, is, yes. gets a lot of controversy with the the water, and you know everyone's kind of talks about it as like a plot hole, mm-hmm. where you know the aliens are coming, you know they're invading a water that's covered in in, in or a plant that's covered in water, yeah. to, to harvest <laughs> a species that's like almost all completely made of water, um, and so I know that gets a lot of controversy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does. I'm not going to like knock it, though. The, the one thing I, I did, because the whole thing with Bo and the fact that she just it has this weird sort of, they call it a tick, but it's not um, this thing with water where she can only drink like half of it and then be done with the glass. That's sort of cute, a little weird. Um, and then it ends up being like helpful in the end and like playing into the idea of like, there is no such thing as coincidence. There's no such thing as miracles. Everything happens for a reason. Um, like all you gotta do is look at the signs. And uh, I, it, it did bother me that they specifically came to earth when the planet is like 90% water. I will, I will give that some, some critique, like that shouldn't be a thing. Well, other than that, I really didn't have a problem with it. I don't know why there would be so much controversy over it, though, because like there's been like dumber stuff in movies before. I don't I don't think this is too big of a deal, but you say ending. But do you want to talk about like the very end, like whenever like it's wintertime? Um, I, I was I was we, we can't talk about it. I, I was thinking uh, about the, the, mm. the scene with the water, because mm-hmm. I think that that's why i think the the water and all that i think that's more symbolic than i think he meant it more mm-hmm. as symbolism mm-hmm. than than an actual plot point yeah. um because i i think it's um there's there's like a theory that people have that the aliens are actually like demons <laughs> and that oh, okay. and that the the water is almost like holy water and i think there's some credence to that like i mm-hmm. I, I don't think the aliens are demons i think they actually are aliens but they do symbolize i think d- demons in a way i think they 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 can symbolize like our our own demons and kind of the challenges that that we face throughout life i think they certainly symbolize that for uh, Graham and um and I think in a way kind of the the water does symbolize holy water and 
I, I, th I think that that's an interesting point because, you know, they want the water is left around by Bo. Mm -hmm. And but throughout the movie, Bo almost does have this kind of like prescient and angelic like presence. Yeah, um, yeah. I, th I think even when Graham is telling her, you know, the story of where they, where they born, where when she was born, he says like the the doctors were like, oh, she's like an angel. Yeah, and so I thought that was just interesting. And then I also find that it's interesting how earlier in the movie, when she wakes up, Graham, she's like, there's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? You, your first thought is, oh, this is like, a, you know, it's a kid. It's a like, an innocent, <laughs> you know, six year old child. Of course, you know, they just. You know, they say, oh, there's a monster outside my room. Like there literally is. And then follow it up with something that's like trivial as water. But when you look at it, like that's the key right there. Yep. Like it's it's a defense mechanism. Absolutely. No, I I I you're right. Cause like Bo is also like very much another voice of reason in the film. Like she kind of always knows what's going on, like no matter what. Um, or she always knows the right thing to say. She is very holy in that sense and very, um, very wise, uh, which I think like could speak to like the, like the, the, the sageness of a child or whatever that um, Shyamalan is trying to present. Mm -hmm. But the whole holy water thing could also play into like the very religious aspect of the film too. Cause again, faith is literally talked about so much in this movie. Um, it's crazy. And I didn't think about it, but demons could also be a valid argument. I, I, I still think they're aliens. I really yeah. do. I, I still think they're aliens. Um, but like the fact they're not, they're not like combative with their hands, but more like clever. And like they use poison gas, like, cause the alien never like took a swing at anyone. It like ever, it was, it was more just like using the gas to harm Morgan and then like getting like defensive on the, like on the defense. Um, but I really do think it's extra, like it's extraterrestrials. I, 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 I yeah. could see the demon argument, but it would be sort of loose. <laughs> um, but you can make the argument just because the fact that like um, religion is so important. Um, but the very last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up um, is sort of like the uh, the the shot work and like the happily ever after ending. Um, because the very ending scene is showing like the broken window of the house and like the same shot we've seen multiple times throughout the movie of like viewing the outside from the top window. And it's always like this distorted effect whenever the camera pulls back in, which I don't know how he did that. It's a very, very cool thing. How like he goes from like a little bit outside the window to the inside of the house. Um, he does it multiple times and then we see them like recovering from everything. And then we get this slow pan, which is a really cool effect um, that goes from the outside of the house to viewing the inside of Graham's room during the winter time after some time has passed. And um, oh, you know what I just thought of? How the aliens deal with rain? I don't know how they would deal with rain. Anyways, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I just thought of that. Wait, that wouldn't make sense. Um, but it's sort of like a very quick ending with how like Graham has finally like got his faith back and you can hear everyone getting like really happy downstairs in the end. His cross is back in the place where it was. Um, but I don't know. Something about it was like, there, I don't know if you could even speak more to that, but there was something about it that was special. Like 
whether it was super happy-go-lucky or like this entire movie was just sort of like a metaphor for him recovering from the trauma of the death of his wife and like him getting his faith back and like returning to his job and like defeating the aliens was all sort of like that that arc to get to the point of the end of the film so I don't know whether that could be something if you want to speak on that or we could like wrap up yeah no I I think that absolutely is what it is okay um I I think at 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 the 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 core of the movie it, it, it that is what it's about it, it's about um faith and, and family and i think mm-hmm. um just that arc and i and i think it's 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 a movie that i think even if you're not religious or, right. or super religious right. you can get something out of it you know if you are religious you know it's you know the message is that you know you know there is someone watching out for you god you know will be or, or whoever you believe in will be there with you and you know through the good times and the bad and there will be times where it may seem unfair and that he's not looking out for you but but in the end you know you, you'll he'll be there and get get and get you through that and even if you're not religious i think you know it it speaks to it's if if you know you have if you have your family or or, or just people that you love and who love you and you know that you can get through the tough times um, you know, you, you, you'll come out of it on the other side and, and things will be okay. Absolutely. And, I, and I think, I, I think it's a beautiful message, I, I think. And uh, it is why I love the movie so much. I totally agree. I, I think you, you just summed up why I think almost everyone should watch this. Like there, there really is something for everyone. And Shyamalan touches on uh, like sort of like faith and family. Um, and you don't even have to be religious, but like there, it truly is like about like, believing in personal faith or like a higher power or like what actually like there is someone who is always there for you whether that could be religion or family so i I think that's truly beautiful um but yeah i think that that is it for the podcast um and thank you so much for like asking me to watch this movie i am so grateful it was really good um do you have any closing statements before i wrap up yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad you enjoyed it because, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a movie that I, I find like not, not that many people have watched it and it, you know, it's, and for some people it's like, you know, it's, it's kind of a toss up about if, if they like it or if the, uh, you know, the, the parts that do want some criticism kind of overtake that. But I, I, I think, yeah, no, I, I think it's just, it's, it's a really good, intimate, and just well done movie and it's it's always going to be one of my favorites so um yeah no thank you for drew for having me on the podcast and and talking with me about it i and i i definitely appreciate that and to get you know some of your views on it new new perspectives so yeah of course thank you so much again for coming on bennett um Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to the podcast. Um, Again, I'm Drew Favors and thank you again to Bennett and yeah, hope you all have a great rest of your day and take care. Thank you. Mm -hmm.